Welcome to Saturday Night at the Movies, the podcast series that celebrates classic, cult, and current films. I'm Steve Rubin, our producer's Ben Shrewsbury, and we're on the Lock 22 Network. Tonight, we're dipping back into my interview archives to the early 1980s when I went up to Fresno, California to visit actor Richard Eyre, who you remember as the genie, the little genie, in The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Richard was a child actor who started his career in the 1950s. He was in shows like Friendly Persuasion, the William Wyler film. He did The Invisible Boy with uh, Philip Abbott, where he co-starred opposite Robbie the Robot. He's in The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, of course. Uh, he did some wonderful films. He was on TV as well. He was Kathy's boyfriend on Father's no Father Knows Best. So uh, we're gonna go back to this interview. Now, bear in mind that like with my Hitchcock interview a, a few months ago, this was recorded on a little cassette player that sat in front of the subject. So generally the subject's questions are being answered in a good audio, but you're not hearing my questions too loudly because I'm not right next to the audio uh, recorder. So I'm sorry about that. There are a few times when the sound quality dips because a jet flies over. We were interviewing in uh, Richard's backyard in Fresno where he became a school teacher. So I'm sorry about that, but I think you'll find it fun to visit one of the great child actors of the 1950s who was in some very interesting iconic films. Uh, I did a documentary a few years ago on the life of Guy Gabaldon was portrayed by Jeffrey Hunter in the war film Hell to Eternity. And Richard was the young Guy Gabaldon or the young Jeffrey Hunter in that movie in 1960, one of his final roles. So I have a few connections to Richard. Really nice guy. And I think you'll enjoy the interview if you'll bear with the quality. Thank you so much. And here, without further ado, is Richard Iyer. Seven one four seven two four seven three four seven four. I think it was uh, it was kind of um, dumped onto the market, not given a real big push. Um, let me ask you something about yourself now. Um, now I have your biography, and you can look at it too. It's kind of interesting. It's uh, Allied Artists published that in 1960, and uh, it says you were um, I guess 10 years old at the time, or let's see, 1945, 15. 15. It's right, right when you were doing the uh, Guy Gabaldon film. How did you get started in movies? Ah, let's see. Um, I really think the way it happened was my mother, like most mothers, thought that her little kid was the cutest thing, you uh -huh. know? And um, decided to enter me in a contest at the Hollywood Bowl called, um, at, at which time they, they would um, decide on who was the All-American Boy for the year. That's what it was called, the All-American Boy. Uh -huh. And I don't know how many years they had this contest or whatever, but I think it was 1951 that I won the contest, you know, uh -huh. All-American Boy with, you know, curly hair and freckles and all that. So, and then that, I believe, led to uh, a couple modeling things, modeling for Janston, I think, Janston Summer Swim Swimwear, sure. and um, then I did a few commercials, and, you know. And you got into movies. Yeah, television and movies. Do you remember what your first movie was? 
No. No. Let's see what it says on this thing. It says, um, started when a well-meaning family friend sent his picture into a baby contest. That was, yeah, that's probably it. The infant crawling off with first prize. A year later, he won a children's personality contest stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Okay. That's, <laughs> you know. uh, that's close. Close. From there, he became one of the town's leading models, looking often with Esther Williams for mother and son bathing suit ads. Right. He also thrived by posing for commercial photographers. Richard never went to a professional children's school. His acting career started when a producer saw some of his pictures and hired him to appear in an Eddie Albert TV pilot film. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. What was that? Um, even, though, even though the show was not so, the youngster attracted attention. Roles followed in such TV favorites. Father knows best. Shallow skies. Was it up with Eddie Albert and his wife, Margot? Margot Albert. I think that's yeah. what it is. And, gosh, that's about all I can... And this is going back pretty far. Yeah. This is like in the early 50s. And you were on Father's Knows, knows Best as a kind of a continuing performer? Well, it's... People think that, but it's only because it's been rerun so many times. I actually only did two episodes. Oh, yeah, you played Kathy's girl boyfriend? Yeah, in, in two different shows. And I think each one is shown 12 <laughs> times, or, you know. So it looks like you've been on it yeah. every other week. Um, well, the first film... Um, the first, excuse me, the first thing that I remember that uh, I worked on a lot was a, a live... TV show series, uh, My Friend Irma. My Friend Irma. I with Marie that. Wilson. Uh huh. That was coast to coast. It was one of the first, the first uh, live coast to coast shows. I think. Uh huh. It's like every Friday night. What did, what, what kind of show was it? Do you remember the based on the movie? My or Friend My Irma. Friend Irma. Gee, I, I, I don't think I ever saw that. Marie Wilson. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know she is. You know. Kind of did you play her classic. son in the show or something like that? I think I would. Yeah. I, there were two, she and her roommate, her girlfriend, and I was one of the, I think I was her son, uh -huh. I guess. That goes back pretty far, yeah, too. It does. Um, okay, get into Invisible Boy. Now, this is this must have been an interesting film for you. I mean, uh, kind of a, a fun type film for a young, young guy like you, I would say. Uh -huh. How old was that? Okay, I'll show you a picture of you. Let's see, 1957 it was filmed, actually 56, so you were uh, 11. 11. Okay. <coughs> Philip Al Albert and Diane, Bo Diane Brewster. Right, right. I think there's some more pictures in there, too. You play a little kid named Timmy Marino, and uh, your father's a scientist who's working on this giant computer. Yeah. I remember it was fun. Okay, be more specific. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see if I can find another picture of you. Well, there's Robbie. That's the scene. Okay, now I don't, I don't think I was around. I, I didn't see the filming of this. Okay, film. I think that your shots must have been shot entirely in the studio. Because this is a location shot down at Palos Verdes Peninsula. There's mm -hmm. some uh, studio extras and army cooperation. Yeah. In the film, there's a rocket up there, which is mad in later on. Okay. That's where you got you ended up in a rocket and yeah. in deep space. Okay, now I, I was I was not around when we were filming that. Uh, I do remember being on a rocket or on a on a kite. Yeah. Okay. You, 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 but that was all on a sound stage. Uh huh. You know, I was just standing on, holding holding onto a thing, and, and there's the rear projection is, of yeah. uh, of you flying over the countryside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This script was given to me by the director Herman Hoffman. I found him down in. And Maria Del Rey, surprisingly mm -hmm. enough. And, uh, 
kind of an interesting story about that film. It was one of the first films to look at the computer as a menace. Remember that giant room with mm. the big yeah. lights and everything? Yeah. This was all done at Samuel Golding Studios. And uh, do you remember anything about the robot? Um, just that the man that operated it had a pretty uncomfortable job. Uh -huh. And it required, it was because it was hot, inside mm -hmm. the outfit, and it required an, a giant extension cord that you had to follow him. It wasn't you know, batteries or anything. And uh, I remember that he had problems um, hanging up on the cord. There were a couple times that Robbie got his cord caught under a door or something and would crash. Yeah, Herman said that one time he fell right on his uh, faceplate and yeah. smashed everything Yeah, out. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. the robot falling on his back. <laughs> yeah. And what else do I remember? I, rem I remember um, ruining a scene for them, which was <laughs> kind of funny. It was a scene where, I can't remember where it comes in in the film, but um, there were scores of um, police and cars racing after something. Something must have happened. Or, but it was this gigantic um, mob of police and official cars and this sort of thing all... I think... I don't know. I can't remember what they were doing. Mm -hmm. but it was a big scene and there was, it was such a big scene that um, they were filming it using several different cameras, so they'd only have to do it once, you know, and they'd have all the different views, mm -hmm. you know. And while they were filming it, I was playing baseball on the other side of the house, and and the and the this all the action was going on out in the street in front of. You weren't involved. In I the wasn't shoot. in the in the scene. Uh huh. But while they while they were filming it, I hit the baseball over the house, and in the middle of the scene. My ball comes bouncing through the, and, and ruined the whole thing. That's when my. Did your mother mention? I'm trying to figure out what I wrote down here. You mentioned mentioned you were a baseball player. Yeah, I used to like baseball. You used to like baseball. This is yeah. when you were growing up. Did you want to get on it? Did you want to play professional baseball at one time? Like every little kid. Like sure. every little kid. Sure. Um, In fact, my brother did. Yeah, that's what I, he wrote down. She wrote down. I think so that he played for the Cubs for five years. Uh huh. Oh. Minor leagues. So I think league? he got up to Triple A. Uh huh. Is he still? He's, he, what does he do now? Uh, he's got a tennis court business. Tennis that's courts. right. He's the one who makes a tennis court. Uh -huh. that's, that's how I found you. I I got this at the library, and I saw that your um. Let's see. Yes, your father worked at North American. So I looked up in the phone book. Robert Eyer. Is it Eyer or Eyer? Eyer. Eyer. Okay. Yeah. Robert Eyer. So that's how I contacted your mother, and your mother answered uh, something about tennis courts. I said I must have the wrong Especially number. Tennis courts, right? <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's how I found things out. It's uh, having these things occasionally is, is lu you're lucky to get them. Um, let's see. I wish I could remember more about the film. You know? Well, there's not too much to remember. I mean, it's it's not a very uh, complex film. There, you know, it's a series of. Uh, in fact, they talk more about the computer and its strange relationship to things than your part. You're just kind of you're you're the human comedy interest in the film. I mean. I, you find Robbie in a closet because you're bored. Uh huh. But supposedly wasn't wasn't I some sort of a prodigy that was able to assemble this robot? And yeah, I um. In fact, you know what happened? You were hypnotized by the computer, 
and the computer gave you all of your knowledge. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And then all of a sudden you're the game prodigy. Yeah. And uh, you still slurped your soup, though. Okay, <laughs> right. Right. And that's how you walk in. And I'm trying to find a picture. I don't know if I'll ever be able to find it, but there's a picture on the wall of this little, this little um, storage room, and it shows Robbie coming out of a spaceship. And some people seem to think that this ties Forbidden Planet with this film together. Because at the end of Forbidden Planet, Robbie leaves Altair, comes back to Earth. So that's why the films are... Not only because Robbie's in both films, I don't think that's the only thing that ties them together, but they, um, there is kind of a, a hint at something. Nicholas Nafak, who produced it, uh, I think wanted to throw that in. Mm. I wish I could talk to him, because you know, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Well, the name Scotty Dunlap? Scotty Dunlap. Did he have something to do with the film, or was that something? Hmm. I should have brought a credit list with me. Yeah, I thought he was... The director was uh, this guy Hoffman, mm -hmm. and uh, the writer, writer was Cy Hume. It's, it's a pretty good Did he script. write both of them? Mm -hmm. um, what's it like uh, growing up? I guess you weren't a contract player or anything like that. Uh -uh. You were just kind of hired out for different parts, kind of uh, independent. Yeah. Um, was, did you have a really good time in your childhood? I can't complain about it. Um, there were there were times when uh, I felt cheated. Like if I were, you know, I, I think when my school would have a softball game or something, we'd be playing another school, and I'd have to go on an interview at the last minute, or you know, I missed the game or oh. something. So there were a few times like that when I felt that it wasn't too cool, but. On the whole, you know, I didn't really miss out on much. What, and, what school uh, did you go to? I had to go to a parochial school. I went to St. Paul's in Westwood, West sure, Los Angeles. I know what it is. Yeah. I live right near there. Really? I went there. Um, one reason was probably because being a parochial school, they had more flexibility. So I could miss, be out of school three months in a row and then come back and they'd work with me and you know, that sort of this thing. This is elementary school? Mm hmm and then I went to uh, Loyola High School. Oh yeah, sure. But um, but I didn't really do too much after I was about fifteen. After I missed my whole sophomore year of high school, but then after that, um, I didn't work very much. You know, just occasionally. But it seems like all of your activities were like between uh, uh, Invisible Boy and in the next three years. Yeah, a lot of about. Films. You were in Friendly Persuasion, uh -huh. which was the year before um, The Invisible Boy. That's in 56. Okay. I, 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 I've only seen the film a couple times. I don't remember too well, but I know that you got a lot of uh, um, publicity for that film. Mm -hmm. Did you get a special nomination or something? Did my mother tell you something about that? I don't. Re I remember reading somewhere about that. What, what my, I don't know. My mother said something once that... Um, I was going to be nominated for some sort of uh, an Oscar, or there was rumor. That, what I don't know how true this is because this could be just my mother talking, you know, uh -huh. a proud mother or whatever. But um, but then they decided that no, they couldn't uh, have a special category for a youth, or um, you know, I was too young. Or something. Uh -huh. And then I think it was the following year that Patty McCormick for the Bad Seed, they decided. A year or two later, they decided, yes, um, a juvenile can win an Oscar or whatever. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I don't have the whole story straight. But. Now, I, I don't remember the film too well, but I have seen 
sequences with this duck. I, I really think it's a great film. It's, it's definitely one of the best. Well, William Wyler, who directed yeah. it, was one of the great Hollywood directors. Yeah. And I remember the film um, as being very unique. It's, uh, it's Gary Cooper playing this, uh, I guess he's a Quaker, mm -hmm. and having a strong anti-war feeling. I guess it sort of takes place before the Civil War. During. During the Civil War. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I remember your hats. I remember those Quaker hats, which are very distinctive, uh -huh. especially on a very young boy, which is interesting. That was a good film. I thought so. Did you, did you go? Did you go to a location anywhere for that? It was all filmed out in um, uh, Thousand Oaks area, oh, but in, in nineteen yeah in nineteen um, fifty six before it was all developed. It was really rural out there, and there were lake or water. Oh, the, the sequence of the duck. Do you remember that? Yeah. They, they tried to. Uh, William, William Wyler had this notion that the goose could be trained to bite, you know, trained to bite. So for about a month before the filming started, went out there with a trainer and they had six geese or whatever and they we tried to train a goose, you know. And I had special pants with padding built in because a goose can really bring wealth so oh, you know. And I would, you know, do reward and everything we Tried to train this goose and for a month, you know, a little silly thing to be doing, I guess. But as it turned out, we, the goose scenes didn't, William Wyler didn't get around to filming them until the very end of the movie. And the movie took about four months to make. Uh -huh. Something outrageous for, for its time. Mm -hmm. It's know. a very long film anyway. Yeah. And by this time, the geese had totally forgotten anything they may have known. <laughs> and so most of it was done with. You know, special effects. And uh -huh. Well, I think what is in the, in the movie your thing is to just chase the goose around or something. Well, the goose chases me around. Chases you around. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. That sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think even more than the Invisible Boy, um, people remember you in the Sinbad film because uh, I think that is a more popular film. I know that's one of my favorites, and um, it's, I think it's special effects-wise, it's brilliant. Have you seen it recently? No, I haven't. You haven't? No. That was, it was re-released uh, a year or two ago. Uh-huh, right? which is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get hired, hired for a new premiere or something. Oh, <laughs> They just re-released War of the Worlds again, and they showed it on Hollywood. They had a little premiere with some stars there and everything. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was like beating up skeletons and things like that. But uh, this is a fun film. Um, you didn't go to Spain or anything like that for this. No. <laughs> they they were saving money, yeah. and they they hired someone in Spain, uh, a kid dressed as you know me, the genie, uh -huh. and they filmed them from behind, you know, uh -huh. and then uh, did the reverse angle shots on with me uh, on the sound stage and wherever well, I it guess was, it was Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, Interesting film uh, from a, it's a you're, you play an interesting genie because you conjure up a genie and genie just does everything uh, you know you can think of but yet you were more of a kind of a conservative genie in other words uh, Sinbad says where is the uh, you know help us get out of here and you throw him a rope <laughs> and uh, it brings out a lot of laughter in the film because it's funny it's uh, you know, it's not your. I think I think that was intentional too. Was it kind of a wise guy genie? Or? Um, let me think. Um, that you get no, not really. Just a um, a cheap genie, someone oh. who didn't have too much uh, going for him. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the sequence that takes place inside the lamp, where uh, 
all the, I guess, the dry ice came up mm -hmm. from the floor, and the Princess Parissa slides into this place. And, mm -hmm. and do you remember that sequence? Yeah, I do. That's two years later. And I remember Catherine Grant was about six or seven months pregnant during the filming of the show. Well, and she kept getting more pregnant and more pregnant as the filming went on. And if you remember, the dress that she wore was kind of an open midriff yeah. sort of thing. So there was really, we were on a tight schedule to, um, you know, to get some of the filming, her scenes done before, you know, it, it looked funny. <laughs> that, that's something that comes to mind. But I do remember, you know, the filming inside the... Sure. Uh, you walk over to the wall and show this writing. From the, I remember it. From the land beyond, beyond, the world past open fear. I bid Eugenie now appear. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was how I was summoned. That, that's what I was. But then there was writing inside. When they're big, then they're small. Again, it becomes small. It's like fire engine or a rock. It's like small. Okay. It was the riddle that, <laughs> that unlocked the, some sort of key. Or it makes you, uh, it's your, your freedom. Oh, okay. So, like, if you throw the, uh, the lamp inside the, uh, the lava, you end up on, you know, it allows you to be free, and that's how you appear at the last scene. Right. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the cabin boy. Right. But, um, I guess the sequence that you were in shot at the beginning were, uh, see, like, interestingly enough, when they run this film on ABC, they cut out the beginning. And was it on television? Oh, sure. It's shown on television quite often. I don't know up, up here I saw it, but they run it and they chop it. And they open the film with Sinbad arriving in Baghdad after the horrible, tiring voyage. And you don't know what went on the voyage. The original film opens on that beach. And you do a, uh, a somersault. A cartwheel, yeah. But now, was that you? That wasn't me. That wasn't you. Well, I remember I just did the you know, movement as to initiate the somersault. Uh -huh. And then they cut back you know, to some beach in Spain and with the double doing it. Uh-huh. Some guy was able to do it extended. Yeah. And that's how the film opens up, and that's how you create the fire to prevent the Cyclops from coming yeah, in. And that's how he, he picks up the lamp and throws the boulder and soaks everybody. Yeah. It's all eliminated, which is silly because it, it opens up the film very well. Um, and then you have, let's see, you don't have that many other sequences. Let's see, you have one, um, um, let's see, I think you have one more sequence in, um, on the cliff where you tell him where to, uh, but to find the, uh, the, the sorcerer's castle. And that's where you see you can suddenly appear and say, I'll meet you there, and disappear. And so you were, I, I think more rather than a cheap genie, you were a clever genie. You kind of initiated action on your uh, person. And I thought that was, that was an interesting way to put it. The special effects are really the key to that film. I mean, the dragons and cyclops. That was, I think, the skeletons yeah. fighting each other. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, that was 59. And then, um, I think Desperate, well, Desperate Hours, I think, was earlier, too. <clears throat> well, my other, my favorite film is uh, the, the um, Hell to Eternity, where you play uh, young Jeff Hunter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always remember that film. In fact, uh, <clears throat> ironically, I started writing science fiction films when I went to interview the uh, writer on Hell to Eternity, Ted Sherdeman. I was talking to him, and all of a sudden he mentioned them, which is another science fiction film about the ants in the uh, desert. Uh -huh. I said, you wrote that? And I started talking to him about that, and I sent in an article I did to this magazine, because I was fascinated by that. And that's how I started writing for this magazine, so there's uh -huh. an interesting tie in there. 
But in Hell's Eternity, you don't have a very big part, only about the first 10 minutes of the film, 15 right. minutes, but a very good part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that opening sequence where you're walking across that playground ready to slug some guy. Mm-hmm. And you got the tattoo on the arm, and you're, really, you're full of anger. I remember that pretty well. I think that was later. I was a little older then. Yeah, sure. I think it was like 12, 13, probably. 15. 15? 15. 15. Yeah. 14, 15. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, can, I can just look at my cheat notes. <laughs> well, this, it came out. This is, actually, this is the uh, thing from um, Allied Artists, and that's who did um, Hell to Eternity, which was released in September 60, so you would have been just 15. Mm-hmm. Did you ever meet Jeff Hunter? Briefly, briefly, and then I think he died yeah. not too long after the film, didn't he? No, actually, a little bit later. He was uh, he was the original Captain Kirk on Star Trek, and or Captain Pike, whatever. He did the pilot, oh. and that's I think now the first episode. And uh, had a terrible accident, fell down some stairs. Was, uh, I don't know what the situation is. He may have been drunk or something. I I didn't get to meet you know just met him in passing. Mm-hmm. But you, you worked kind of off and on. You didn't work straight all the time. Though. The only time that I worked steadily was on the series My Friend Irma, uh-huh. you know, when I just first started. How long was that? How long did that last? I'm not sure. Like half a year, mm-hmm. probably, something like that. And then I did a series when I was 14 or 15 called uh, Stagecoach West at Republic Studios. Let's see if that's mentioned here. If this was 1960, no, probably after that, maybe. Was after that. Mentions Letter to Loretta. Loretta Youngshed? Maybe maybe that was because Letter to Loretta. Uh-huh. Must have been. Colgate Comedy Hour, My oh, Friend Name, the Shawl of Stars. This, you probably, you Some of these are old, right? Very I mean, like old. Colgate Comedy Hour. I think that's one of the first TV shows, isn't it? I must have been. Yeah. I've never heard of these things. Oh, I, I, I remember I did some, like, the Saturday Night Review. And, you know, some of the, I think in the, you know, first years of television. So you're pretty active at that time. Pretty what? much. But as you say, mostly from the time I was about, you know, 10 to 13, 10 to 14. Mm-hmm. Like then why did it stop? You know, I, as I grew up, maybe I, I don't know. I was increasingly less interested in it and maybe... Some of my adolescent inhibitions, you know, were starting to surface uh-huh. and that sort of thing. And, yeah. No, I'm asking about that. You said the last thing you appeared in was Combat? Uh-huh. When I was 21. You were 21 yeah. in Combat. And that was um, 10 years ago. Yeah. 1956. No, 1966. Yeah. Yeah. She said you didn't have such a good experience on that show and it kind of was the end of it for you or something? You know what she said? She said, um, you took a look, I think you had a death scene or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, you looked at it afterwards and said it was such shit that that was the last thing you were going to do. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. No. I did I did get killed on combat. And uh, maybe I was so convincing that, you know, that they were about to hire me again. You know? <laughs> but, you know, it's just the kind of, I would, I would have done more. It was only when I was... 18 or you know up there that I realized that you got paid for doing this kind of thing you know when I was a kid I didn't realize that there was some money involved too, <laughs> you know and um, yeah but you were paid for these things oh yeah yeah but you didn't reap the benefits till later yeah right until you got the sports car yeah <laughs> but 
but I didn't I didn't um, really pursue it, you know, the acting. So in other later. words, it wasn't the fact that you didn't necessarily that you didn't want to do it because you weren't getting as many calls. Right. Both. Yeah. I see. I yeah. guess that uh, as a young actor, you were much more. Un oh, I'm not. I'm just saying it from the point of view that child actors are aren't easy to find good ones. Maybe the competition became a lot stiffer then as you got older. True. True. And today, you know. Uh, child actors, there are probably a lot of them around, or would-be actors, whereas in 1955, there weren't so many, I think. Right. I think. Do you know any other, did you have any other friends at that time who were child actors? Like, uh, Not really. Not really? Yeah. I usually hung around with the kids on the block. Just the kids yeah. on the block. Did you That's know Billy Gray from Father Knows Best? Uh-huh. I, I knew him. Um, he was about your age, I think. Well, I did, yeah, I did Father Knows. He was a little... Yeah, about the same. I think he's a little bit older. In fact, uh, he's 38, I think. Yeah, he's seven years older. Than me. So, uh, <laughs> I went up to Mount uh, Tanya uh, Canyon. He lives up there now. He raises motorcycles for a living. For a living? Yeah. Oh, you must dirt, be kidding. Dirt bike ride, sure. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I went there to talk to him about the day the earth stood still. He was always really a character. Yeah. Very precocious. Well, you must have had some of those things, too. I mean, um, I don't know. I was always kind of more interested in doing what the regular kids did, you know. So you never I wanted to be accepted by the. You, you know, never the really kids wore in into the Hollywood scene at all. Like no, that, no, that like, used to embarrass me. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, walking into your classroom and saying, "Look at it! I just saw your yeah. movie or something like and that." And I caught more crap about. Um, the genie, the seventh boys of Sinbad, than any other thing I did, <laughs> really? because I was, you know, so goony looking in my little <laughs> turban. And, and uh, did you have to? I mean, were you offered that part, or did you? Uh, did you have any choice in the matter? Mm, I don't know if I did, like but I, did. I was pretty agreeable. I mean, I, you know, great, fine. Mm -hmm. Were you guided at all, like by an agent at this time or something? Yeah, uh, I had a really a great agent um, called. His name was Milt Rosner, and he died when I was 14. And really, that was that his death and the end of my acting career coincided. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Your new agent just couldn't put it together, or uh, or well, Milt Milt died while I was doing. He had me under contract doing this uh, Stagecoach West. Uh huh. And so, and it was a great contract, you know, for for me. It was just terrific thing. And um, he died shortly after that series started, and so I, you know, signed with another agency, but they didn't have to do anything because I was already working, mm -hmm. you know. And so a year later, when the series ended, they really were, you know, the first year they hadn't done anything because they didn't need to, you know. I see. And then when that series was over, um, my mother and I, I guess, I'm sure I, Agreed that I okay, now I had missed my whole sophomore year of high school, you know, and I think it was our choice to not do much for a year, you know, to get back into school and mm -hmm. and um, this is about 1961, I would think 62. Yeah. Since you were about yeah, right. Or uh -huh. So you went back to high school. Yeah, and um, kind of by choice was pretty inactive for about a year mm -hmm. or so. From acting. Uh-huh, from acting. 
And I, I guess then when we started looking around, trying to get back into it. This is after you graduated? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when we tried to get back into it, it just wasn't there, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of the way it happened. But you still picked up things here and there. Uh-huh. Like this combat thing. Of course, this is a little later on. This is yeah. during college? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We went to undergrad at uh, SC. Santa Monica City College, two years, and then yeah, SC. I went to Santa Monica City College, two years, too. Then I went to UCLA instead. Uh, Both sides of the tracks. I can see who we're rooting for in a couple weeks. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> I understand. Um, <clears throat> so combat was the last thing you did, or? Yeah. That was, that was it. That was it. That was the whole cookie. Mm -hmm. I like that show. It's fantastic. But, you know, I think that your other films are much more interesting. Um, let's see what else I can ask you about them. I wish I could tell you more about The Invisible Boy. And, uh, well, um, you didn't really have a lot to do. I'm, like, there's, you know, there's not too much you can tell me other than the fact that the robot had a lot of problems. And, uh, do you remember anything about the actors, like Diane Brewster or, um, Philip Abbott? I guess it's not really, they're kind of bland. I don't think there's too much. Yeah, not much. Not too much about them. How about um, Kerwin Matthews and Sinbad? Do you remember him at all? Not that much. Sinbad? Yeah, he's yeah. kind of black, too. Yeah. <laughs> How so about Gary? Catherine Grant was pregnant. super. She's very nice, too. Uh -huh. Sure. Fun to I think she with. quit acting after that to marry Bing Crosby. Yeah. Or I think, she may have been or I think she had just married him. Yeah, that's I, when she I'm quit her acting sure. career. And I do remember Torin Thatcher was scary. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good villain. Huh? Very good villain. Yeah. I enjoyed him tremendously. Um, he recreated his role in a film two years later called Jack the Giant Killer, which was uh, which was an interesting film. Same actor, Kerwin Matthews again, and Colin Thatcher. He's always been a very good character actor. I, I, I think he's still around. All right, let me... Uh, let me uh, You've been listening to Saturday Night at the Movies, the podcast that celebrates classic cult and current films. Thank you for listening to my interview from the 1980s with Richard Iyer. I'm sorry the quality dipped a few times, but he was a fun guy and certainly one of the great child actors of that period. Um, tune in next week. Uh, we're always going to try to have an interesting guest for you as we continue our love of classic cult and current films. I'm your host, Steve Rubin, on behalf of Ben Shrewsbury and the Lock 22 Network. Have a great day. Thanks.